This is Customer Conversations, a new series where ANZ customers share their unique stories of success, challenges, and what can be learnt along the way. George Andrianopoulos is General Manager of AA Petroleum, a family-run business which has grown from one man, George's father, driving a taxi in the mid-1960s into a thriving business that has sold more than 600 million litres of fuel per year. When you visit a BP service station in the Greater Melbourne area, it could well be one of theirs. Recently, ANZ CEO Shane Elliott caught up with George to explore the importance of trust, quality and innovation and find out what really makes partnerships work. One of the challenges that the industry has been facing was whether we as an industry have lost touch with our customers. And um, while I think we've got a lot to do in that area, I think actually when I think about ANZ and particularly our corporate relationships, one of the things that I observe about ANZ, it's actually always been very much relationship focused. And one of the great strengths we have is we've been fortunate to have customer relationships that have really stood the test of time. And, and one of those is a great company based here in Melbourne, a company called AA Petroleum. And I'm here with George Andrianopoulos, the general manager of AA Petroleum. So George, I've had the benefit of not just meeting you and your family, but certainly your father, just talking about how did this company start and what exactly does the company do today? I guess my father was like many of the migrants of the 1950s where they um, came to Australia without knowing the English language and uh, probably a couple of pounds in their pockets and, and in the suitcase, just their clothes. Dad came to Melbourne. Um, he met a few Greeks that he was able to um, live in a room and pay board for where maybe six young men you know, stayed there. He then worked uh, in the railways for a little while. Unfortunately, he broke his leg. And and I remember at the time, the doctor said to him, Andreas, you know, we could sue and get compensation. And, and dad said, I don't want to sue anyone. Just make my leg strong again so I can get back out there and work. You know, he's really, um, he didn't want anything from anybody other than make what he did out of his um, hard work. He then uh, looked at the time it's probably now the mid 60s and thought you know I've got to do something for myself as opposed to be an employee and uh, he bought his first taxi and um, he was always thinking progressively and instead of like most taxi drivers only themselves uh, working the taxi for eight hours or ten hours a day he then decided to have many more drivers working his taxi for 24 hours a day I think the term was called hungry at the time so so he was the asset it's not going to work for eight hours, it's going to work for 24 hours a day. So by about 1964 to 1969, he had three taxis. He then thought, the biggest expense of my taxis is servicing and having a workshop. So he bought himself uh, in Collingwood in 1969, a little closed pub, and he converted it to a workshop. And then all of his fellow taxi drivers said to him, Andreas, can we come down there and uh, service our cars? So he thought, I'm going to give a quality product quality service at a good price. At the time, uh, his insurance broker knew of a, a friend at BP and he decided, I think you can put a, a petrol pump here because there's so many taxis. Uh, they organised a petrol pump and all of a sudden he was pumping more fuel than the local service station on the main street. And then the BP said, look, we've got this service station at the corner of Elgin and Rathdown Street. We lease it from the Wilcox family. We really don't want to buy it. I think it would be good for you to buy it. So off dad goes, he buys this uh, service station. And at the time, there were no price boards. No one knew what the petrol price was. You drive into a site, you looked at the Bowser and you said, just please fill it up. And the attendant will say to you, it costs you whatever 
whatever it costs you. So at the time, Bob Hawke, the secretary of Silo ACTU, uh, had opened up a service station in Brunswick and they were advertising discount fuel and it wasn't the price of the fuel but the discount of the fuel. And Dad said... How much is the discount, George? And I said, look, I think it's about 11 cents off as I worked that out. Dad said, make it 13 cents off. And from selling like 16 gallons in in one day, he then sold um, 6,000 gallons in one day. So he started off as a a fuel discounter in the 70s, really promoting his business uh, in that way, selling BP products, quality fuel, at a quality price. So there's so price. much. There's so much in that story, and we'll get to it. But just to, so just so run forward to now. Just describe the AA Petroleum now. What what how you know its breadth? What exactly does it do? Well, we um, we sell uh, over 600 million liters a year. 600 million liters. That's excluding our shops. We decided uh, probably about 15 years ago to move away from our suburban style sites, which we've got 43 of them and we decided to build freeway sites. Now, one thing that we love doing is copying the best. So we saw BP uh, on the freeway from Brisbane to Surface Paradise. Then when that freeway was expanded to eight lanes so of when freeway... Was when was that roughly? Well, it was, it was probably in the 80s, okay. uh, late 80s, um, uh, when the freeway was expanded. We saw BP buy from a local residents spots where they could build these huge freeway service centres. And that's what we did. We ended up looking at Melbourne and saying to ourselves, on the Calder Freeway, on the Hume Highway, um, on the Pakenham Bypass, on the Geelong Bypass, on Eastlink, on Penlink. So we went out there and we have the luxury of time. And I know large corporations, you know, everything is within a short time frame. So we could go out there, we could buy land and we could sit on it for 10 years until the uh, bypass is built, the roads are built and then we start building our sites yeah so so in a matter of from in 60-ish years you've gone from your family's gone from running a taxi yes to that scale that's really remarkable what you know again there's so many things here one of them that i really love is this was not based on some big bold plan this was actually what we would say to kind of you know test and learn you try you know you tested something you tried it you learned hey that works let's do more of it and we see where you go right and there's it's that ultimate kind of innovation and entrepreneurial spirit that got you there. It wasn't 60 years ago sitting down saying, how do I build a 600 million litre no, petrol I, business? I agree. Look, uh, we, we read a lot what was happening in America. Yep. Um, we, we, we knew in our industry there were things that you had to m- make sure you did well. You had to look after the environmental side of our business. We were the first company in Victoria that put fiberglass tanks and so in. So, to people like me who don't understand the, what that means, well, exactly corrosion, what, co- ah, okay. corrosion. You know, right. ma- making sure your fuel systems are, um, yep. are, are perfect, best yep. best class standard. That's an interesting point. I mean, I I was thinking of some of the other customers I've met over time who have in completely different industries. But actually, another theme there is this pursuit of quality you know and to your point applying standards to yourself that are not by law it's not the regulation you you didn't have to you've done it because you you had a belief i i'm guessing here in kind of fundamental quality right one thing that we did earlier on is we audited our financials we went out to a few accounting firms and we said we want to be audited and they said, but the bank hasn't asked you to be audited. I said, no, but we want we want you to, to discipline us yes. in, in what we have to do. And I've always felt the caveats or the regulations or the, the timeframes that the bank puts us, I, I, 
I see that as a positive for us because it instills discipline in what we do on the financial side. And, and we use that in the same way throughout our business, you know, the way that we uh, keep our stores clean, the way that we maintain our stores, the way that we looked at our employees. We thought to ourselves, we have to incentivize the people that work with yeah. us. So what we did is we introduced um, uh, commission agents from the 1970s. So the more fuel a service station sold or the more shop products a service station sold, the more the person that worked that store made. Yeah. So, um, and one thing that we realised from the 70s was don't get involved in goodwill. Don't charge a person goodwill coming into a business. Don't charge a person key money coming in, into the business. You bring them in, you give them a good commission and a profit as they're in the business and they don't get unstuck. You can see, I think, there is an issue with goodwill in in businesses. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, going back to that point about the, the bank, you know, covenants and all those other things, it's an interesting, again, I've heard that similar story. I mean, the way we think about it is these are, these are from our experience as banks, and we get to see thousands of customers, many of which succeed, some which fail. These are kind of our, uh, it's like a dashboard, you know, so it's like driving a car. We're basically saying to you, you should watch the fuel gauge, you should watch the oil pressure, should you watch the temperature. These are, these are kind of good business skills, to your point, that we uh, provide to businesses to help them make their businesses go better. And I think if you go with that kind of attitude, that very positive attitude that you have, I think that's absolutely right. Now, I, I know that a big part of your business, I, I was impressed talking to your father before Christmas and you were there, where you, you know all of these people who you work with in the, in the petrol stations and they mean a lot to you and you know I got a lot of the stories of the individuals. So again, that partnering, and just partnering in general, you've got this great relationship with BP. We talk about being better together yep. at ANZ. How important is partnering and working with others? Look, um, my grandfather was a farmer, and he said to my dad, a moss grows over a rock which is set. Yes. And he instilled in my dad, this is my grandfather, and he said, wherever you go, make sure you don't move around create relationships which are long-term. If, like a rock, you keep on moving the rock, then it's easy for people to move the rocks around. Right. So, so that was the analogy that he gave yeah. him, that, that he gave him as a farmer. So, so my father came across... When you see my father now, you see him as an 85-year-old charis yes. charismatic man. Yes. But as a young man, being 24, 25 years old, having young children, he was loved by the bank managers of, yes. of the ANZ. You know, they saw this young man coming into the bank with his young children, depositing monies from uh, the takings. And back then, uh, his bank managers were like mentors to him, you know. I remember Dad saying to me in 1974, he wanted to buy this beautiful home in Ivanhoe. I think it cost about $130,000 at the time. And he was speaking to his bank manager, uh, Mr. Ted Bright at the time, who used to be at the Hoddle and Johnson Street branch in Collingwood. And he said, Ted, look, uh, I love this house, but I can't afford it. And Ted said, I will support you, Andreas, because I know your work ethic and I know you're going to work hard to pay us back. And he did. And Dad still lives in that home that Ted Wright wow. helped him buy, buy, you know, back in 1974. And again, you, you, it feels to me that, you, you know, you're a family business, obviously, and that family ethic runs through a lot of the way that you operate and the relationships you have with others, so the people are running the stations in this yeah, well, when, case as well. When I see my brothers and, and my father, obviously I see them as family and I work a certain way. When I see an ANZ 
manager, yeah. a VP manager. In a way, I think the same way. I think, you know, yeah. he, you know, I, I sit down, I have breakfast with him, we discuss business, or I have lunch with him, we discuss yes. business, uh, we have meetings together. My interaction is like interacting with my brothers and my father. That's how I see us working in our business. And do you, you know, inevitably over that long period of time, though, there would have been a lot of good things that have happened, but there yeah. would have been some tough times as well. Look, there are tough times. The fuel industry has been, uh, has gone up and down. One thing that my grandfather also said to my father, buy land. You know, whatever you buy, hold on to the land. So there were periods of times where the business supported the land and there were times where the land supported the business. So it's a diversification in, yes, a, in, yeah. in, in its own way. But then again, not in other areas. We are very strong in Melbourne. Our family lives in Melbourne or the greater Melbourne area. Yep. You know, we haven't gone to Sydney. We haven't gone to Adelaide. And we haven't diversified our business into other different types of business. We know this business and mm. that's what we like. So what do you, what kind of advice, you've, there's already some in what you've said, but what other pieces of advice would you give to people starting out or certainly in this, you know, the private family business yeah. side? Look, I think you have to say to yourself that you are fortunate if you've got a family business. You've got a few runs on the board already, you know. The second thing is it's a way of your life. You know, you're there 24 hours. Every waking moment of your time, you're thinking about it. Yeah. Yes. You have to enjoy it, but you're going to have to work hard at it. So how do you get time out? How do you get time away just mentally? Because, you know, you can't do it. You can't do it no. 24 by 7. You need, yes. And you need fresh ideas yeah. and fresh thinking and be challenged. How do you do yeah. that? I don't think you can leave it. I think it's always in the back of your mind. Yeah. I mean, um, you really have to always stay focused on the business. I mean, if you can imagine how many hundreds, if not thousands of people that work with us, how many suppliers are with us. You do put people to be in charge of that, but the buck stops with you. You have to make sure that you are actively participating in that business. You can't run a family business from an armchair you, somewhere else. Yeah, I, I understand. But And one of the things you've talked about, uh, you've mentioned quite a few times, was learning from observing others. What do the best do and all of this. Where do you look today for inspiration, ideas, what do you, what, yeah, where, how uh, look, do you do that? I read a lot about the car and the motor industry. And, right. um, and one thing that Volkswagen got into trouble with Dieselgate was their cars, they were purporting them to be at Euro 6 level yes. emissions, but the cars were actually Euro 5 level emissions. We've now looked at Europe and we've said, now, what, should we, what do we need in our site? So one of the products is AdBlue. It's a, a product which uh, is an exhaust emission liquid product which gets sprayed into the exhaust system, which gets rid of nitrogen oxide. So we've installed AdBlue at all of our sites through the pumps. We do know that the goods of Australia are moved really by trucks. So the last 15 years, and this is where the ANZ have helped us, you know, you've loaned us nearly $300 million to, to build the best trucking facilities that we have. We've got showers for truckies, we've got dining room areas for truckies, and also the motorists. We've got baby changing rooms, we've got play centres in our service centres, we've got quality partners as tenants like McDonald's and KFC in our stores. So I think we're there in looking to the future. The, the thing is to maintain it. You know, you've got to maintain the cleanliness, you've got to maintain the standards, you've got to maintain the fuel systems. So it's not just build it and walk away from it. You've got yeah. actually got to stay there. And it's like a house, you know, you've got to clean your yeah, home. Keep it fresh. Yeah. Keep it fresh, you know. Hey, um, one of the things we've talked about before, and I guess a lot of people will be thinking about is surely in the industry you're in, you know, electrification. So, you know, okay, electric cars are yeah. relatively 
minor today and number, but it you know, seems to be the future yeah. for many. Well, well, how would that impact a business like yours and how well, do you think about it? Look, we think about it and, and you've got to think about a time frame. Yeah. So, so when you look at uh, pure electric car sales in Australia, I think the statistics that I read is like 0.006% of cars sold in Australia are electric cars. However, the government's now looking at pay per kilometre. So in other words, an electric car doesn't pay any fuel excise. A petrol car plays fuel excise that goes, the money goes back into infrastructure. So I believe there will be a huge change of how excise is calculated by the government so to make it an equal playing field. Yeah, and, and I'm, undoubtedly will become a bigger issue over, over time. So look, thank you for the conversation. As I said, it's a, it's a fascinating story. Eh? It's just a fascinating family story. Yeah. It's a classic Australian story, really. You know, migrants coming with very little and then making something of themselves and their, and their family. And I think that, and then this great story of innovation. I think that's, you know, well told there just about this idea. It didn't all happen because it was a great plan, but it was just trying, learning, testing, doing things you do well. And then I think this other theme around quality, you know, really investing in things, not because you have to, because you want to and you believe they're the right things to do. So there's a lot for our listeners there to learn. Thank you very much, George. Thank you. Thank you, Shane. I really appreciate uh, your time with us. And thank you. Thank you very much. It's great. Thanks. That was ANZ CEO Shane Elliott talking with long-standing ANZ customer George Andrianopoulos from AA Petroleum. Music is inspired by Kevin McLeod. To learn more, visit news.anz.com forward slash customer conversations and let us know what you think. I'm Gemma Simpson, digital producer and editor. Join me again next time for more customer conversations with ANZ. ANZ.